Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's called Mad Sounds. One goes out to Mr. Alan Smile. And welcome to another edition of the Mad Sounds podcast. My name's Will Sparks, and I'm joined by my beautiful co-host Matt Maynard. How are you, mate? That's that's the second episode in a row you've called me beautiful. <laughs> I think you are beautiful. <laughs> oh, you, you've got some HD camera on Zoom, even better. And you're growing your barnet out at the moment, aren't you? I am, mate. But I would say it's it's too hot, isn't it? It's too bloody hot. It's like Hotland 2018 again. Maybe too hot. Having the long hair in the hot weather isn't isn't the nicest. But um, yeah, I'm persisting. There we go. Well, our next guest, we're going somewhere even hotter. Steve Pryor is in New York City. How are you, Steve? I'm good, mate. Thanks for the introduction. And I know you've got another special guest lined up, and I don't know how you're going to oh, we have better it. than that. We, I feel like you're raising the bar straight. one by one. So move on from him. <laughs> yeah, get me out of the way. He is our resident uh, vinyl collector and Norwegian football expert, Ben Wellsey Wells. You right? You right, Wells? Hi, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, glad to be on time, to be honest. Debut. Debut. We, we touched on your vinyl collection. We, uh, first of all, I want to ask you. We, we, we discussed this before. Vinyl, vinyl, um, vinyls getting a bit punchy in terms of their design and color scheme. So, what's your, what's the best looking vinyl you've got in your, uh, in in the inventory? Yeah, it's a bit. I've got quite a few actually these days, but I reckon Taylor Swift Lover album double LP. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. well, it, one, it, it, one turquoise, one pink. Oh. You've been begging to get on this podcast, Wellesley, and the first thing you've said is Taylor Swift. Yeah. Like, the, the, regulars are, the regulars are going to be switching <laughs> off, mate. Who have they brought oh. in? <laughs> we're, talking about, we're talking about good looking oh, vinyls, aren't we? Not good sounding. Yeah, okay, fair. But is it a good so, sounding album? I'm, I'm not really okay with oh, it. It sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. But also looks amazing. I've got some other looking ones. Um, I could mention, but probably more towards your target audience. But... <laughs> well, we're going to start by talking. That. We're we'll going to start by talking about an album that is, uh, I guess, in line with our target audience. Uh, the, the hottest album on the tip of everyone's tongue. It's Hero's Death by Fontaine's DC. Uh, what, do we think, what do we think? Matt, you know, open, open the bidding. Yeah, I, I'm really impressed by this album. I know we've spoken a lot about them on the podcast before. Um, yeah, Wellesley's just holding up the album, the, uh, the LP, the, the lovely blue, sky blue colours. Is, that, is, it a, is it a punchy Stormy vinyl, Wells? Is it, is it punchy? Yeah, described as Stormy Blue by the label. Stormy Blue, right, sorry. Definitely yeah. comes across as a stormy album. So yeah. yeah, it's quite moody, isn't it? It's quite moody. Um, I, I, you know what? There's a, there's a tra- nice transition here from the first album. We're not seeing a complete, you know, ripping up of the rule book at all, are we? It's a transitional album. It's a slightly different, it's a slightly adjusted sound, but it's yeah. not completely different. Um, and I'm a real fan. And there's, you know what? We talk about no skips. I don't think there's any skips on this album. It's very consistent. Um, I'm not going to go all overboard and call it a 10 out of 10 album because I probably think it lacks maybe um, a few real standouts, but I think it's very consistent. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to hear Wellesley and Steve, who I know are big fans of the band as well. 
I love it. I think the album has probably exceeded my expectations, to be honest, because it's always nervous, isn't it, going into one of these albums after such a massive first one, loads of hype. And I think particularly for bands like them, where the first album is um, it's quite thematic. Like, it's, I don't think anyone would say it's the most diverse album ever. It's just a, a record of amazing tracks. And then you kind of wonder, what, like, where are they going to go or can they go other places? And I think you're right in terms of the... It's such a like, strong change of direction without being a total departure, but without also not being too similar either. There's tracks on there that are so much darker than the first album that when I first played the album, I, was, I didn't really know they'd be capable of, to be honest. Like, I think the opener... I Don't Belong plays very much to that. I would say that's the darkest song they've done to that point. Yeah. But then I think what I was really impressed with was um, there's a couple of tracks, but particularly Oh Such a Spring, like I the ability oh, to be, oh. yeah, so melancholic. And like, I don't know, I think you always wonder if with a band like that, like, will it sound sincere or, in th- or authentic when they try and take that path? And I just think that that track's unbelievable. It's and got really like their Irish roots in it, hasn't it? Embedded in it, in that riff. And it's it kind of, they're able to take that and then put it on a different stage, their rock stage. It's also a little bit Pete Doherty, that song, I think, as well. But yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's, that's my favourite song on the album. Either that or um, A Lucid Dream. I thought The Lucid Dream had it's, it's a really nice tempo to it. But yeah, it's, it's a really moody album. Uh, do, you, do you guys think it's better than the first, Pound for Pound? I think it's like, it's... It's interesting is exactly pretty much a year after the first one, isn't it? Like yeah. that's a really short turnaround between albums one and two. And I think like like Steve was saying, if you compare like I Don't Belong, the uh, opening song on the new album to Big on the first one, yeah. completely different, is it? Completely different tune, completely different tempo. Do I think it's better? Um, it's, it's hard to say because I sort of I, I love the first album so much, and that is one of my favourite albums in the last. Well, 10 years or so, to be honest, in terms of guitar music. Um, I do really like this album. For me personally, it's maybe not as up my street as the first album, but at the same time, I sort of still appreciate how good it is and I yeah. appreciate I think I still, a slight change in direction. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm still get, like, getting into it. I mean, I, I love it. I completely love it, but I think I'm still... Because it, it only came out really recently. I'm still trying to like, rediscover all the tracks. I've given it like two full listens and I think I'm finding new, new bits that I really like. But yeah, I think right about the hype the hype was so big and a year isn't a long time to sort of build that hype up after you've done all the touring for the first album um have, have any get... of you guys seen them you've seen you've all seen them live right i don't i, I, I haven't yeah, yeah yeah seen them a couple of times seen them at brixton and saw them at glastonbury it was um, interesting I... isn't it but last time last time we saw them at brixton yeah. we were all a bit underwhelmed i thought weren't we because they played a lot of these new tunes and they played them up front of the gig as well like the sort That's of true. songs were a lot of the new album and like thinking back now to that gig I, re- I can pick out those songs now and say oh yeah that's what I heard then at the time just wasn't really feeling it because you're at a gig and you're waiting for you know like Liberty Bell you're waiting for Big you're waiting for Boys in a Better Land and a lot yeah, of these new right. songs are a lot more when, when you're on the I think I remember Heroes Death and I enjoyed that but apart from that I wasn't um, that sold, but let's get into the brass tacks then of this album. And what's what are our favorite tracks? It's like Steve, you mentioned Oh, Such a Spring. I actually think that run there from Oh, Such a Spring goes into Hero's Death and Living in America is like you know that lovely run of free you sometimes get on an album. That I um, I agree with you on that run. I think Living in America, Living in America is a really interesting song, it's quite uh, 
it's it's quite obscure on first listen but it's actually a it's a really good track i love the opener and i really like the closer as well no and i think that what they've done in the closer and they've done in quite a lot of the album i think they've captured that what this this like the absolute smiths thing and i think it's so difficult to do where it's bleak but in a way it's kind of like resilient and almost almost like uplifting in a weird way like the last track is there's a lot of tracks on there particularly the last one no which i think um in principle could be quite sad tracks like i think they're about hard times and things being difficult but actually it's um it's more a message of like resilience and um of you know sticking through it sort of and, and having that kind of belief to power through and i think actually you know it's i think it's probably easier to write a, just a generally bleak record like the world is shit therefore whereas i think that they've done that it, you know they managed to kind of capture that balance of like <laughs> making everyone think the world is quite shit, but also giving a bit of a reason to believe. And I really like the last track for that. I think, I think a loose, I think a lucid dream, uh, as I've just mentioned, the lucid dream is probably my favorite, but um, the, the album jumps in tempo quite a lot. But what, what I really like about, it, I think there's quite a subtle arrogance um, about them, which I really, really like. Um, I don't think like when I've seen them interviewed, uh, I sort of like that. It's not all bubbly and just like, you know, thanks for this. Thanks for that. It's, it's like, he is obviously a really, really deep thinker. And I think you can see it in the, when you listen to it yeah i was gonna say it's funny you mentioned that sort of subtle arrogance i remember um at the brixton gig one of the first things i noticed was guitarist i think carlos wearing uh, fontaine's dc t-shirt on stage yeah and that's either properly arrogant or just like really i mean obviously it, it was sort of knowingly done but that just sort of i think sums them up as a band like they they do take they yeah, that sort of subtle arrogance, like you mentioned. They're taking the piss there, aren't they? They're literally... Yeah. Who they clearly rate themselves, and like, why wouldn't you? It's so well, it feels like... It's the biggest gig they ever played, isn't it? It's the biggest gig they played, probably in the UK at Brixton at that point. Like, for him to sell out Brixton Academy after an album was pretty massive, so... Yeah, absolutely. So then come on it feels like they... Feels like they do things on their terms, I think, as well. Like, they, they get, they're that kind of band that give off that impression that, like, we're doing it the way we want to do it and I always I'm always like we've spoke about this before on this podcast about like choice of track listing as well and like the what is meant by that and I think that that it comes through so much with like the opener of this album it's a classic case of like Wellesley you summed it up perfectly like I feel like they want you to make the comparison versus the first album and versus the opener of the first album because it's so dark and it's so different and um I think that they've probably made some, you know, some choice, deliberate choices in that sense, because they want to, they want to, you know, build their path the way they see it. And also play, I, I'm not surprised at all, you said at Brits, they played all the new songs first, because again, I think that's all that mantra, isn't it, of just uh, doing it how they want to do it. I think they're being carefully managed as well, and just to sort of peer behind the curtain on this as well, we tried, we approached them to come on, because obviously their album was coming out, and I'm not saying we attract stellar names on this podcast anyway, but we were quite clearly told that, you know, they don't do podcasts. So it wasn't even, you know, a case of choosing a, a different one. They're being managed, carefully crafted, like yeah. some of our favourite bands of the past sometimes are as well. Um, is that a baby crying? I think that's a siren outside <laughs> my house. Sorry, that's a fire engine. <laughs> <laughs> that did sound like a baby crying. Like, uh, no, that's a horrendous in, noise. In, to be in Carlo's house. But yeah, no, I, th I think also with Fontaine's, I feel like they're the band that the, the scene, if you want to call it, has been sort of crying out for. 
in the fact that they're just so highly respected at such a at such a young such an early point in their career and like when when I speak to people about Fontaines, it's like it's never I don't really hear anyone go these guys oh, I don't rate them or anything they've 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 already got that like such high level of regard and I think that mate the Smiths comparison was it you Matt or Steve that, that made it there um that's quite quite ringing true actually there is just like quite a quite a deeper meaning to the band i think the, the song that got me hooked on fontaine's was um i listened to boys in the better land liberty bell was the <clears> track <throat> that got me hooked on fontaine's and yeah, it's I just I, and it's just the the pronunciation of his irish of the dublin accent as well i think is their best their best quality it's 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 almost as if he's like spoken word in some of the songs but they actually it actually really makes for a good record yeah but yeah no, i really like the album i'll give a seven pushing eight at the moment Oh, yeah. out of ten. I say it's interesting you mentioned like the sort of the Dubliness of it as well. Like they're obviously like a Dublin band, an Irish band, but like they got so many links to like London, the London sort of scene as well. Like different London bands, you see like bands like Shame on Twitter, sort of always hyping them up. Yeah. Um, the producer of their new album, Dan Carey's his label is called Speedy Wonderground, which has got sort of like the links to like the Brixton scene, like the Windmill Pub and everything. Yeah. So big new bands coming through there as well. So like it's interesting that they're yeah they're an Irish band they're a Dublin band but they're sort of well supported throughout the UK. Uh, and any other new releases that um that have caught your eye this week, boys? Yeah, I just wanted to mention actually um, a guy called Willie J Healy, who's got his debut album Twin Heavy out this week um, through Yala Records, which is owned by I think Felix White. Oh yeah, yeah. his fame and everywhere fame. <laughs> <laughs> he's everywhere, he's everywhere in it. He's back again because the cricket's on. So yeah, absolutely yeah. everywhere. Um, but yeah, really, really good album actually. Um, been listening to that quite a lot last week. Really good. Give me sort of like there's a lot of sort of pulp tones in there. There's a lot of sort of Bowie vibes at times. Um, yeah, it's really good sort of singer songwriter, solo artist. Um, Nice, I'll check that out. You gonna, you gonna buy the vinyl, Wellesy? Are you get is that is that going in your collection? Actually, yeah, it's on pre-order actually. Uh, you love today. a pre-order, don't you? You love a pre-order. Well, it's already out, but I had to pre-order oh. a different variant, haven't I, just to get the colour <laughs> How many vinyls do you buy a month? Uh, I don't know. I try not to go mad. I think like maybe two to three, two to four, maybe. It depends. Yeah. It depends on a month. It depends on what's being released and everything, but. They all stack up, though. They all stack up. What's your strategy for buying new albums that come out on vinyl versus filling your back catalogue from the last 50 years that you want to have? How do you, I've always yeah. wondered how... I always struggle with that idea. I always want to buy a new one, but then I think it's not right to buy that without already having that record in the collection. Yeah, that was my sort of... When I first got my record player, my first... My go-to was to buy sort of like... For record player CDs I used to own as a kid. So like the Jamie T albums, Razor like stuff, you know, the Arctic Monkeys ones, Queens of Stone Age, all things like that. So I sort of the first few months I was just buying buying those here and there and then recently just started up sort of adding like newer releases and everything. Um I don't tend to buy many old ones these days unless it's like a reissue or something. Um Do you ever go out vinyl hunting like either charity shops or record fairs or anything like that? No, not really, because I've never really been massively into the older stuff, as bad as that is. Yeah. Sort of, I grew up. I grew up my sort of like landfill Indian. That's my sort of go-to. And that was that was like the sort of point of call when I first got a record player. Just 
fill in a back catalogue of all the all the trash yeah. I used to own and and some of those albums are hard to get your hands on in that that, that era as well. You were saying, well, yeah, yeah, you can like try and find a hard five record, mate. <laughs> the, Mil- Mil- the Milburn debut as well. Uh, th- th- there isn't one, yeah. is there? Yeah, ever since ever since I got that line of contact to Joe Carnell from your first podcast, I've been <laughs> trying <laughs> my absolute hardest to get a re-release out of him. I've been DMing <laughs> him every happen. week. Any news yet? I, Any news? Not, he, he must have a few knocking about his house in the attic or something. Yeah, just just send me one, Joe. Even they never did. They never did him though. I think was the point, wasn't it? When he was on the pod, so like they need to. I think they need to make him for the first time. Is the uh, is the problem? But they could get a thousand of them done on a nice blue vinyl. I'm sure that would be lovely, wouldn't it? Sell like hotcakes. They would. Okay, so we're we're still not doing our indie nights because of because of COVID. Uh, we're not allowed anyone out. We we can't do it. We're not going to do a socially distance one or anything. So I thought I'd devise some questions to get a bit of uh, indie. Indie night or recent nostalgia, anyway. Going, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a roundtable discussion, boys. What is your go-to indie club night song? But the rule is, it has to be somewhat niche, but yet be a crowd pleaser. I'm gonna start with old Steve Steve Carlo Pryor. What you, <laughs> I thought you were just gonna for? say with Steve Cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Cunt. Cheers, Steve mate. Cunt. Steve, what have you gone for, you cunt? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, so I've had I had some debate as to whether this is niche or not but I'm sure it is niche because they were an absolute one hit wonder band but I do think if you were to play this at the next Mad Sounds I reckon it goes off because it's a banger so my choice is a song called Susie by a boy called oh. boy oh. You're having is, a um, no way is that one you picked you're taking a piss hang on can you see this on the screen Oh no, Wellesley's picked it as well. There he oh is. He's got I'm so glad you asked me first. <laughs> there you go, though. And that is the best answer we could give, to be honest. That You have to put that on your A-list. Well, the, uh, the only way it matches up is me and Maynard have picked the same one. We haven't. We haven't, no. <laughs> what, what have you gone for, Maynard? That's mental, though. Well, I'm going for um, a band who are Australian, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. And they've got a song called Rattlesnake which also perfectly fits to Wellesley's name. So the way they... <laughs> it would always fill any, any crowd. <laughs> so it goes, rattlesnake, rattlesnake, but it really fits of Wellesley, Wellesley. Wellesley. I think that's why they did it. After England beat, was it Sweden? Is, when England yeah. beat Sweden in the World Cup, when we were all around your house, Matt, I think you put that song on immediately after full time, <laughs> cracked open a bottle of champagne, started ambushing Wellesley <laughs> with, the whole, with the whole house. About 20 odd people go, Wellesley. Well, it's fair to say it went off, didn't it? It went off. <laughs> it went off yeah. You were hating that it, is, but it went off. That, yeah. that is a massive song, but is it, too, is it too repetitive for an indie night? I'm wondering after three minutes of that, people are well, yeah, going you downstairs. Can tailor how much you play, you know. I think you've got to be editing that track. Yeah, come out after a couple Fade of Fade it into something else. Yeah. Um, apparently, my brother says that he was the one that started that around uh, the table at Christmas one year when we were all playing cards. In, uh, I remember it well. I, remem- I remember it well. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> it is true. So, Tim Maynard claiming the fame there. Dear, oh dear. I've, had, I've got a couple of other ones, actually, by the way, other than Boy Kill Boy, because I didn't think that that clash might come up as we was going for our related artists earlier. Um, yeah, is this is Little Man Tate niche house party at Boovies 
Oh, we, is we, it, the thing is, it is, but we've played it. We have played it at Mad Sounds. Cause we, okay, right, right. That is a great song. But it is a great, it is a great choice. I'm surprised that song hasn't, isn't like higher up in like, you know, the list of like great sort of, I don't want to say one hit wonder, I guess that's a bit harsh, but it, it's such a, such an absolute, but it's an absolute banger. It's like your perfect that, yeah. template for an indie song of that era. Although yeah, I feel I mean, like in, in, there's some um, sort of slightly sexist lyrics in it these days. There, there are some horrendous lyrics <laughs> in that track. I'm just there's one in my head which I'm not even going to repeat because uh, it's not a pro- it is not appropriate for 2020 at all. Will, yeah, will it get, get cancelled? Cancelled, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Little man say yeah. already were cancelled though. Now they're back, aren't they? So. They're back. They, they got they got they had a tour booked for uh, this. Well, I think next month, and obviously everything's had to be. What about you, Wells? Oh, sorry, what else have you got? Yeah, I've also got my, my other one, which I think is niche and does count, is Pete and the Pirates, Mr. Understanding. Oh, sh- massive shout. Matt's looking at me absolutely blankly. Has not got a clue. No. <laughs> I'd, also, I'd also like to mention that before recording... Oh, for fuck. Well, we I obviously about, know it now. I know the song. Well, we were speaking about the Magic Numbers. You know, massive band on the indie scene back in the day. Not a, clue, not a clue from Matt Maynard. <laughs> Forever numbers. lost. Love is, love is just a game. Nothing. Yeah, good tune. Well, he's stamping his authority. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> the best way to answer this question is, I reckon every single track or band that you've named, do you remember the Enemy Essential Bands CDs that they used to release in like 2006? Because yeah. literally get one of those CDs and that has answered your question. All 20 of them are like niche indie bands for an indie night. Magic Numbers are definitely on there. Pete and the Pirates are definitely on there. The Rapture, that would be another choice. Get myself into it. The Rapture. <laughs> Terrible. We, 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 we've been needing to do it. I mean, Circle Square Triangle by uh, Test Icicles. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but Test Icicles have got a bit of credibility, haven't they? Because it's Dev Hines, isn't it? Niche, niche indie song. I, got, I, I did have a think, but I think all of them are rubbish. So um, I'm going to go with one that's not so rubbish. But Take Her Back, Pigeon Detectives. Obviously not like not their biggest hit, but I think Pound for Pound, the better song off that, uh, off that day. Not I found out. No, I, thought, I, thought I like Take Her Back. Take Her Back's a lot better. I also um, don't know how to say goodbye off that album. It's great as well. Take Her um, Back also about... A seventeen-year-old girl. I was just about to say. <laughs> I mean, written in. The, you were saying that. I'm thinking of the chorus going. Nah, I don't know about that. I don't think. I don't think you can do that. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> they got away with it. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I hate that song, and I disagree with the sentiment. But that, that, I, I, on a listening level, what a great track. Um, I'm gonna go for. Another one, uh, which Wells is going to take the piss. It's a Doves track, but it's a bit more of a. It's it's pounding from 2000. So I can already see. Well, why the Doves hate Wells? You come on. There's no there's no hatred. There just there's just nothing really. It's, about. It's, it's written all over your face. They've got I that mean, good then... song, haven't they? But it was on it was on a um, match of a day or <laughs> Premiership back in the day. Featuring <laughs> Yeah, very good song, Matt. But otherwise, I could not name you a single Duff song. And I don't really want I mean, to. Want to, to be learn. fair, they're not, they're not wildly misogynistic like most of the other acts that have been <laughs> listed here. So oh, maybe exactly. you should give, give them a bit more credit, to be fair. <laughs> we, um, um, Black Treacle, Arctic Monkeys, got, Matt loves, Matt, Matt usually opens on that when we do our indie night. Wonderful, so. Wonderful. The part, any Arctic Monkeys on by default shouldn't be niche, should it? 
You could play no. any Arctic Monkeys tune at an indie night and it would go pretty well. Any Arctic Monkeys? Oh, what about like Daft Frame 2R? It would still go down well with probably a couple of guys in the corner, wouldn't it? <laughs> there'd, be, there'd be two oh, guys yeah. in the corner just sort of lifting their drinks slightly. Just yeah, 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 true. Nice one, mate. It would. True. <laughs> probably more than the magic numbers, to be honest. Stay oh, yeah, I reckon the frame to R gets a better reaction than the magic numbers, I reckon. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. I reckon Chun Li's spinning bird kick also gets a better reaction. It was just special moon. Yeah. It was <laughs> 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 your special move. <laughs> You're still out there, everybody. Uh, so re- recently, uh, Matt had the honour of t- speaking to Murray from Fur. Uh, Fur, uh, an up-and-coming band uh, based in Brighton, have had um, massive, massive success, most notably with their single "If You Know That I'm Lonely," which is like one one of my favourite tunes that's come out uh, in recent times. So, without further ado, here's Matt's chat with Murray. So I'll start with a compliment, Murray. Your, your your sound is a bit different to most, you know, indie quartets, which I think is, is a good thing to hear. Um, you sort of revamped sort of like a 60s sound, really, haven't you? I think when we first started out, um, it's probably a little bit different in intentions to what we are now. I feel like um, really? over the sort of, it's now probably about five years, yeah. Yeah. Over, that, over that time, we've definitely kind of uh, found our feet a bit more. Um, at the beginning, we kind of, as I'm sure every band does at the beginning, they sort of, you kind of write for what you think you ought to sound like and what yeah, you okay. want yourselves to sound like. But obviously, before you've written anything, you know, you don't actually have a sound. So that was kind of like, I think the first kind of, that's probably one of the reasons why, you know, we get a lot of people being like, oh, can you put the really old stuff back on Spotify and can you do this? And we kind of view that as before we kind of found our feet a bit more. Yeah. You know I mean? yeah so, yeah. so uh, yeah, I think this, the whole 60s thing comes mainly from the fact that it was sort of the first sound that I was like shown by my dad, um, yeah. which is the kinks. And I sort of fell in love with that. A, a, a way younger age than like I was when I kind of like decided to discover music myself. So it's probably yeah. like eight or nine when I first got shown the kinks, maybe a little bit earlier. Um, and then I sort of went through my a normal teenage stage of like loads of different types of music. And, and then I kind of 16, 17, I sort of fell back in love with that sort of thing. And I, I kind of noticed like bands like the Strokes and Arctic Monkeys with Suck It and See kind of mimicking little bits of that Ooh. sort of these things yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. underground and um stuff like that and then yeah when i started writing for fur um there was definitely hints of that sort of subconscious element of yeah. it being implemented and then um yeah it just kind of expanded on that and, and as my love for that sort of music grew the writing my writing developed yeah yeah nice um let's just quickly talk about your new single because mm-hmm. it's, it's a quite it's, it's just out grow up um this wasn't this wasn't written in lockdown or anything was it this was just something you've been for a while you've had written for a while yeah it was it was actually it was probably the first song that kind of bridged as i was saying the sort of the early bit of fur that we kind of don't really see ourselves as that being us now as it were um it was probably the first one that kind of felt really us yeah um, okay it's probably written about three three years ago roughly um 
and yeah, it was sort of, it was in a, a very different um, arrangement and it, it kind of had more of this like fairly typical indie band sound. And yeah. at the time we really liked it, but we were just like, I don't really know if it's like releasable and quality. And then over time yeah. I've done different arrangements and then it's been like, yes, bit closer to being like, you know, giving it, we wanted that song to have like a hundred percent of what it was, is potential. Yeah. I mean, and then, uh, yeah, about six months ago, I just had another go at it and um, shifted some things around and kind of like, yeah, got to an arrangement where we were like, yeah, well, this, this is, you know. That's, that's really interesting yeah. to have that level of, I suppose, understanding of your own song as well and not just put it out there when you first recorded it. I suppose, you know, that's a musical yeah. maturity, I, I would say. Um, and, and so, yeah, we're just, so this wasn't written, obviously, in this lockdown period. Have you been writing anything in lockdown has it been a fruitful period for you yeah yeah massively i think the beginning of lockdown was a lot more uh kind of creatively exciting right uh, yeah so yeah we've actually just announced um a mixtape a seven track mixtape um and that was not all written in lockdown some of it was before but um the, the bulk of the work has all been done yeah. in, down in my living room um so yeah, that's that's some of my songs, some of Josh's songs. Josh has pro I've produced right. and recorded it. Josh has mixed it. So yeah, um, yeah, okay. that's, that's like the creative bit of, of lockdown. And then the other, the other yeah. last month has been a little bit slower. And I kind of try not to get annoyed with myself when you're not necessarily feeling at yeah. like a creative peak because you know I know that it comes and goes in cycles and waves and whatever, and everyone's different. So I used to get yeah, quite yeah. annoyed and force myself to do it, and I just kind of thought like. If you're sitting at your computer doing music and you're kind of like annoyed whilst doing it, then there's not much point in you doing it. Do you know what I mean? Well, exactly. You enjoy. So I kind of now just every day I will sit down and try and write and I will, you know, I still play guitar every day and have done for years. But like, you know, if I don't have anything coming out fairly naturally, then then I might just leave it for a couple of days and then try again. And eventually I kind of fall into a pattern of, of you know, having a solid week or two when, when a lot gets done. Yeah. Yeah, and I saw on, on on Spotify you guys did like a lockdown playlist. Um, mm -hmm. Was that was that anything to do with you, or was it like um, group effort? Yeah, yeah, that was just. I mean, we had a playlist before. Um, we had one when we were on tour, uh, last tour, which was just like songs that we were just all playing in the van constantly on our tour, and then uh, the rest of it. Yeah, just we update it every so often, and it's just five tracks each of, of what we've been listening to. Oh, nice! It's, it's such a thing that fans must love because I know, like, from my favorite bands, that's when you're really interested to know what they're listening to. Yeah, yeah, and I think also. Um, especially for me and Josh who obviously write the music like a lot of the music that we're listening to at that point in time is influencing our sort yeah. of like writing methods and stuff so right collectively I think all of our music tastes like cross at mm. certain points but everyone kind of has their own branch that kind of right really yeah yeah of course they extend yeah. a bit further um Flynn's massively into hip-hop um Tav's Tav's into a lot of the, like, the American West Coast sort of stuff um yeah. Josh into a lot of sad music <laughs> um, but yeah I think it kind of it definitely gets reflected in in all of our songs whether it be like really subtly or or some a bit more you know directly, yeah, yeah, yeah. directly influenced nice so I mean I guess the big sort of explosion point for you guys would have been you know if you know that I'm lonely which yeah. has got like nearly 15 million views 
on, yeah. on YouTube, which yeah. I'm sure like you find pretty mad. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask was, do you ever read the comments? Yeah, I mean, with Lonely, I, I've kind of slowed down, but yeah, we do. We are one of those bands that we do, we do read and, and try and kind of get. I mean, through. how could you not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously at first it was, you know, it, it went for six months with the kind of normal like interaction rate that we would have expected from the video. That yeah. we're and then uh, then it just started to build up. And then obviously people from different countries were like commenting and then it was just like really picking up. And so during that stage, it was like, you know, we've got screenshots of all the funniest comments. And all oh, I've got, I've got some here. <laughs> <laughs> You've got some there. Read some of them out. I wanted, I wanted you to, 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 to react to them. <laughs> there's, probably, there's probably some that you, you can't read out for. Uh, well, yeah, you, yeah, we can get away with a lot of them. But <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you who I've got here. Um, I mean, most of them are positive and some yeah, are just yeah. like, But um, this, this person said, I'm going to tell my kids that this was the Beatles, which you know, <laughs> I guess is, is, is funny. It's that. Yeah, that classic thing that goes around. Um, I clicked this by mistake. Best mistake ever. Oh, I like those ones. Those ones are nice because I've done that before. Like, video yeah. inside of a video that you forget. You're like doing it on a different tab or whatever, and then it plays on. And you're like, oh, what's this? You know. So that's yeah. that's always good. And that's kind of, I think that's that in itself as a comment is probably the reason that it's got to that many views is because it was yeah, and everyone discovered it. And you know, yeah, exactly. It's YouTube. Um, Seaweed Biscuits said, uh, funny pe how people aren't realizing that this entire video is a satire of modern indie music videos. So, <laughs> Seaweed Biscuits knows what he's talking about. He, he's got you, he's got you guys. Seaweed Biscuits probably an undercover Ed Zorab, the director of the video, just trying to make sure <laughs> his point is out there. <laughs> <laughs> just angrily, just furious that no one can, that lots of people don't yeah. understand. Yeah. Um, and then this one is just quite funny. How can the singer look 12 and 30 at the same time? Yeah, there's quite a few of those. There's quite a few of those. There's a part, there's, there's Paul McCartney, uh, sorry, um, Fat McCartney was a comment about someone, but we don't know who. It's kind of an ambiguous comment. It could be anyone, Fat McCartney. I've got that I look like Dwight from The Office and Mac DeMarco's Love Child. There's those <laughs> going about. I can't really argue with that one, to be fair, but. Ma yeah, Mac DeMarco, that's an interesting. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Tooth gap, isn't it? Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> um, he's, he's a good musician, so, you know. I know, um, it's definitely that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a good selection. That kind of yeah. resembles the entirety of the comments in, in four. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, so just coming back to the style of music, we kind of used to kind of touched on the influences, but I think it's something that fascinates me by, yeah, what, who, who are the artists then that, that really sort of, inform the music that you write yeah um it's kind of one of those things like quite early on i don't know if like that many musicians will like de like know definitively like what has defined them so like for a while and yeah like it's quite a difficult question but i feel like more recently it's kind of been made a bit more clear and i think it's just an amalgamation of the music that when I was really young, before I had even started playing guitar and like before I knew that I could or wanted to write songs. Um, and then the combination of this, the music that I was listening to at the time when I kind of started wanting to write songs. And I think that yeah. part, part of it's subconscious and I've obviously revisited like a lot of the love for that music. Um, and then, yeah, part of it's just bands like Arctic Monkeys and The Strokes and The Growlers and that sort of thing that when I was sort of 16, 17, I was massively into. And 
I think they're also all bands that sort of draw influences from this, the music that yeah I'm, absolutely so yeah. I think that that kind of just you know that partnership of, of those two um those two sort of influences is the main thing I think that's kind of where it comes from it's interesting you say Arctic Monkeys there because there's one song as well particularly um love song for no one which really gives me major submarine vibes yeah I'd, like i mean it's probably just like that major to minor thing that yeah, yeah, Turner yeah. does all the time which yeah. i love i think also just like even just vocal delivery like he, alex turner was definitely someone when i was starting to write music that i was just like obsessed with and, and thought that yeah was, i mean is- it was just the best thing ever wasn't it and so yeah, I think that probably does come across in, in vocal delivery and the kind of just single, singular guitar and, and vocals, yeah. Do you think that he is the best songwriter of his generation? I mean, he's definitely, definitely up there. I think it's kind of a difficult thing because there's probably people that I might think better that I've never even heard of, do you know what I mean? It's quite yeah. difficult to say, but yeah, he's definitely, um, he's definitely, I think, the last... Uh, worthy sort of candidate for it since yeah the do you know what i mean yeah absolutely yeah um you played uh, jakarta right that's twice, yeah twice yeah was it a festival uh yeah the first one was a festival um actually no both were festivals yeah, festival. yeah. so you've traveled the world with this band already like that's yeah pretty it's pretty mad that's like again um something that we never sort of expected to happen um as as quickly as it did but um yeah super grateful like all the fans over there are, are so loving and and we we still like i think because we went from like when we did the first jakarta show we literally went from playing like a 200 cap venue in brighton and then the week later played to 5000 in like half an indoor tennis arena <laughs> and so it was just like the craziest transition and even then like you know, obviously when you're playing like smaller shows, like people come up to you at the end and you can stand there for like 20 minutes, just like saying hi to people and whatever. And um, and now when we go to Asia, we still just love doing that. And, and when we went last time, we were in Kuala Lumpur and we had uh, a, a, probably about two hours, two and a half hours after the show when we were just like talking to people and getting pictures of people and our management were like, we've probably got to go back to the hotel. We were like, just a little bit longer, whatever. Like, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah nice. they're all like so so nice, so supportive, and so uh, yeah, invested in it, which is which is really great. Yeah, that's amazing. What kind of band are you on on the on the tour bus? Like, are you wild and get absolutely hammered and enjoy it, or are you like the uh, sensible songwriter? Like, time we've only got three members because Josh likes to quit. Um, <laughs> yeah, Josh is one of those. Josh is one of those. So, uh, well, what's he quitting over? I don't even know. You know what I mean? It gets to that point. No, we're yeah, we we love it a bit too much. I think. There's no such thing as too much. That's like there can be, there can be. <laughs> Glasgow, Glasgow seems to bring out the too much in us um, both times. Yeah. No, no, no. We we have a good time, but um, our tour manager, our tour manager Ant gets put through the uh, put through the gears. So <laughs> <laughs> Kuala Lumpur was probably the most exciting because we got to see monkeys and we all kind of got our little gap Ooh, year, yeah. gap year experience in. <laughs> Um, so you're touring as well in 2021. It's all announced. You're hopeful it's all going to go ahead. Where where can people well, go and see you? Can be, yeah, yeah. Um, where can people see you then? We are doing. We actually, on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I know. If I, I'm not going to be able to remember all of them. We're doing the, new, <laughs> the places we haven't been to yet: are Sheffield and Newcastle, which we're super excited about. Yeah. Um, 
it's always nice to like you know you see comments of people being like come here come here and when you first when you first start your band and you get that first like come to brazil comment you're like i, I can't come to brazil like who do you think we are um and now it's sort of like you know we've actually visited a lot of the places that people are asking for but sheffield and sheffield and newcastle are two that we're really excited to go and play nice yeah whereabouts are you playing sheffield do you know uh i don't know in sheffield i think we're doing think tank in newcastle if nice. that's a venue in newcastle if not then sure. i've got it wrong but <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's think tank um and is oslo is it in london in hackney yeah yeah yeah, yeah. never played there either so excited for that what's gonna happen if i That was Murray from first speaking to Matt um, very recently. Boys, we, we are listening task uh, the past week has been listening to a bit of fur and getting into all all the music they've been recording. What did you guys think? Yeah, I've been listening to this week actually, and um, I'll be honest, I didn't really haven't really heard of him much uh, prior to that. Prior to you sort of mentioning he had him on, but yeah, I really like really like their tunes actually. Um, I was saying earlier, it's sort of like quite an old school sort of sound, you know. It's got a sort yeah. of very fifties or sixties sort of. Remind me a bit of like Dion, some of their songs. Um, yeah. So I was, I was really enjoying that, the sort of, the sort of throwback sound. And uh, they're also like on a label that are producing quite a lot of good, like little indie bands at the moment, like Pip Blonde. Um, one of my favourite new ones, uh, Courting as well, who are from up in Liverpool. Um, yeah, good little band. Quite, I'm looking forward to sort of exploring a bit further. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that song I just mentioned, um, if you know that I'm lonely, I think it's on 16, 17 million streams uh, the last time I checked. So I was like, because I'd never heard of them either. Um, actually, I, I think, actually, I think I heard them and maybe just didn't, weren't that au okay fait with them. But the amount of streams they've got on that song, and like, rightly so, it's an absolute... Well, absolute... as Murray said, yeah, it just sort of took them off. And then like, we obviously are there in the piece we were talking about all the YouTube comments and it's sort of like they've just blown up. From that one song it must be so strange to get yeah. that it's sort the, of fame on one video yeah it's the aesthetic as well like the um the dress sense the clothing goes completely with their sound as well um they look like a like hundred times cooler than anything i could ever dress in to be fair when you look at all their album covers so and um, um yeah and well um, um, when we spoke about there that one track as well particularly that sounds a little bit alex turner and submarini and i think steve said the same thing when he heard it as well right yeah, very. Uh, it could come straight out of that EP, really, couldn't it? To be honest, it feels like it's like the the final track, but very melodic. Like it feels like he's got a good, uh, yeah, a good knack for a melody, definitely. So really excited to see where they go as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Wouldn't mind going to see them live and live and all. Uh, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about this year's Mercury Prize and the nominees, and maybe how it compares to last year as well. But up this year, just to, just to name a few, quite a few uh, up for the Mercury Prize. We've got Sports Team, Kano, Stormzy, Michael Kiwanuka, Charlie XCX, Laura Marlin. Uh, Matt, Matt, where do you think the prize prize is headed? Um, well, I, I don't want to 
to bore you all too much because I know a couple of us agree, but I'm a Michael Kiwanuka fan, and, and I've said that on this podcast many times. Yeah. Um, and I think that is uh, just a brilliant album, and again, in his sequence of albums, um, could even be his strongest album, which is saying something. Um, but also really like the Kano album. I think it's really good. But yeah, I'm not sure it's the strongest lineup of Mercury uh, nominees this year. I think, although that's like, you know, that sports team album's decent. Um, I think we've seen previous years where it's been such this strong list and like you could go to anyone. Whereas this year, I think for me, there's only really a couple that I'd be happy to see it go to. So yeah, if um, personal favourite would be Kiwanuka, but I also think that, Definitely think that Kano album's really good as well. And it's got a lot of support as well. Kano seems a hot favourite. Wellesie, you're big into sports team. Yeah, yeah, I am actually. I do do quite like him as a band. But um, I think at the same time, sort of echoing what Matt said, almost surprised they got into the the, uh, the Mercury list this year, really, because it's a good album. It's a pretty good album. Like, I do really like their, their tunes, but it is sort of at the end of the day, very sort of basic indie pop. And it's... Yeah, it's it's good catchy stuff, but I wouldn't have said it was Mercury worthy in terms of sort of songwriting. Um, yeah. Like you say, compared to last year, I think you've got like Fontaines and Black Midi in the mix and other bands like that. It's a bit of a surprise they got there, but yeah, I, I'm a big fan. I've, I bought three of their albums, um, trying to get them to number one a while back, but um, but yeah, still surprised to see them there. And I think like like Matt said, for me, it's like Kiwanuka or Kano. Even though I'm not huge fans of either, they're clearly the ones that deserve to be sort of in the mix for that that award. I think there's a bit of there's like I know it's an obvious uh, everyone's talking about it, but there's probably a bit of a COVID element to the list as well. Like I think of bands like I know like Shame, and I'm not saying for a second that oh like they were guaranteed to be on it, but they've been they've documented a lot about how delayed their album has been as a result of everything that's going on. And I think it's probably fair to say that like. Well, we've had five months now of, I would say, probably more delayed albums. And I suspect that there, there would have been a bit more frequency without that. So that might be a bit of a factor in the list quality. We'll, we'll see, I guess. I think that I'm sure you boys will do a, uh, a Mercury special when the time comes. And I think the, the one thing I'd always say with Mercury is like the best conversation he's had like on the day of the award as well, I think, because there's always those albums on there as well that you haven't really heard of that much and not gone fully into. And I remember like in previous years, I'm thinking about when like Benjamin Clementine won an album that I don't think anyone knew, honestly, upon it being listed in the nominations. I absolutely loved it by the time the award came round. And I think that the great thing about Mercury is it gives you the opportunity to go, here's 10 really well-regarded, 10 or 12 well-regarded albums and then see what you can make of them. And one or two will probably start to pop out, won't they, when you really go into them. So I think uh, I do agree that like on the face of it, the list isn't quite what I would have expected from previous years, but I'm also quite looking forward to going through that process of trying to get into them all. And then and when the actual day comes, probably also yeah. having a, a few others that pop out a bit more, you know. It's so important for those artists as well that aren't as big to get on that list because obviously record, their sales could fly up and their streams and that could really, you know, change their lives. So it's good. Maybe it's good. Refreshing to see, you know, some sort of five or six lesser known albums on there for sure. It's nice to see that Mercury's is like, it's not, it's not just based on, you know, who your name is and, and, and what you've done so far. Like Steve was just saying that Benjamin Clementine album, like 
Mm. No one, no one have really heard of it when when he won it. But it's gonna it's gonna give massive exposure to some of these artists. And like, yeah, maybe it's not strong as previous years, but I I put money on I think Kano and Michael Kiwanuka winning it for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, a bit bit odd, odd to see sports team in there. I mean, I did like the album, but but maybe it's credit to them that they're in like such high like such company. I mean, they did really they got really really close to number one album. Like mm. Lady Gaga's marketing machine probably like gave him a raw deal at the time to be fair but yeah no it's um so i like steve said the conversation on the day is is probably probably the best bit but um i don't think there is a better market for it but if there is i'll uh have a, have a, have a couple of quid on uh kano i think in the market <laughs> I, think, I think it's worth it's worth mentioning as well i think like a few albums sort of just missed out date wise as well like you look at like fontaine's new album probably be on there you'd expect yeah. i guess but like phoebe bridges new album punisher which probably i assume would be on there yeah, um, yeah. that's a great album. So, yeah, like you said, I think like COVID, the delayed factor has influenced it a lot. Um, but yeah, there's still some really good names on there. Now it's time for a game. Matt's prepared a super fun game. Matt, what's your Don't game called? Game. Well, what, what, what is it? Is it not a game? A quiz? Mm, a quiz. Inter- interactive board game? I'm calling this Who Said It? Where's he going? It's, from? it's not a game. Not, not a game. game. Right. Pr- the premise of this game, there are four amazing, wonderful British stalwarts um, of the rock scene. Alex Turner, Morrissey, Liam Gallagher, Noel Gallagher. And I want you to tell me which of the following quotes were said by which person. So we're going to start with Mad Sounds co-host, Will Sparks. And you're going to tell me which of those four people said this quote. Muse fucking scare me. They're like f- fucking creepy shit. But people like them. They at least play guitars. But when I hear his voice, I'm like, ah, fuck him. Now, you'll notice I won't be doing any of the accents because it'll give the game away. Now, I, the, way, the, the way that's like, the way you've read that out, I'm just imagining that it's null. Like, Muse, Muse fucking scare me, man. You know. What has what he said? They do some creepy shit. They're I- like, fucking creepy shit but people like him they at least play guitars but when i hear his voice i'm like ah fuck him that's 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 no i i'm not i'm not 100 percent, but the way it's that first sentence like you scare me you scare me man i oh, see your logic and it's a tough one it's liam ah oh, oh. so thought that was no I think there were too, too many fuckings in there. There were too many fuckings in there. Noel likes an early fucking in the sentence. <laughs> that, yeah, that means only one. Yeah, oh, yeah. Fair play. Fair play. Liam got some throughout, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's good. I sure. Okay, fair play. But the guitar, oh, right. guitar's comment is quite Noel. <laughs> yeah. So bad luck there, Sparko. No points. Um, we're going to come round to old Carlo over here. I'd rather yeah. produce art than become art. Mm. I'd rather produce art than become art. It's not. It's not. Liam, it's not Turner. It's it should be Morrissey. That's my answer. It is Morrissey. Hey. There's a risk of Noel creeping in there, but yeah, if it feels more Moz. Can you give us uh, what your version of how he would say it? Then? No. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even really got a classic man accent though, has he? I don't like quite a posh. Rather produce arts than become arts. Yeah, I don't know. He sort of. Yeah. yeah, he's got that little like. There's a little twang going on there, but it's he's quite pretty, pretty enunciates, doesn't he? Anyway. Anyway, Wellsy, it'd be nice if one of us was a judge on Strictly Come Dancing, 
that would mean something mad had happened. Some serious shit would have had to have gone down between now and then. <laughs> oh, this, this is quite tough. It sounds like a sort of mad babble that comes out of Turner's mouth every now and then. It's sort of like, just, yeah, a random babble about some inane TV show that he just waffles on about. Sort of thinking back to that interview with Mars, um, Mars Kane with the Dutch reporter. Yeah. I can't really see it coming from the Gallagher's. We've just had more, so maybe go Turner. It's Turner. It's Turner. Well done. It's Correct. Susanna, Susanna Reid, Turner. Yeah, I was thinking. I wasn't 100% sure, though. I'm on the back foot here. No, <laughs> They've both got... I should be saying that about you, Susanna. You look good on my dance floor. Well, Will Sparks, I'm going to come back to you now. And the quote is, fuck the sea. I ain't going in that. Fuck that, mate. That ain't meant for us. That's meant for sharks and the jellyfish, tadpoles and stuff. It's like, is that super hands? That sounds like super hands. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it. It's no. That sounds like an... Actually, no, Liam, it's, it's Liam again. Oh, <laughs> my again. God. Got me. It just sounds... I don't know. I just He's done him I was, again. Oh, Liam. I, I had to scan through my head and do all the, like, accents saying that. Fuck that, man. And, and, end of the day, right? I won't live forever. Two minutes. That's, and that's four minutes on. <laughs> end of the day, right? Tweet? If there's anything at end of the day, right, it's null. But that wasn't... End of the day. End of the day, right? Right, Carlo. Yeah. On talking about his guitar playing, he said, I'm average at fucking best. I know who that is. What? One of two. It can't be Liam because he's not even average. And it can't be Morrissey because he's not even average either. So I would say it probably, I think Noel has got that level of self-awareness. So I'm going to say Noel. Correct. Yeah. Two, two out of two. Two, one, nil. Wellsy, I see myself rather like an old discarded dish rag. Is that the end of it? Wow. Okay. Um, I'm just going to go Morrissey instantly. Uh, not too sure why. No really, no real reason behind it, but I don't think anyone else has said it. So, yeah, let's go for Moz. Your instinct is right. It's two all, two apiece. Sparksy, I'm going to let you play here because you could still come back. Out it, but let's go. Who said... You know how Shakira's hips don't lie, while mine are incredibly good liars. Unmask if you like. Turner. <laughs> it is right. Yes. He's back with, he's back back with I'm not yep. going to do the impression. You do a good Turner, didn't you? It's that I, same sort of inane babble as the first one about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's like You know how Shakira's <laughs> hips don't lie. <laughs> incredibly good liars. Unmask if you like. Zen. It's quite good. Zen. Is that, have you just listened to that Susanna Reid interview and just cropped bits from it? No, no, no. <laughs> Look, all of these artists, you won't be surprised to hear, have all got like enemy articles with like their 50 greatest quotes because, yeah, they're that, <laughs> they're that famous. So. Right. right. Two, 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 one then. Two, two, one. Carlo, I mean, you, it'll be hard for you to catch up now. There aren't loads left, but we'll see. Why is Posh Beckham writing a fucking book of her memoirs? She can't even chew chewing gum and walk in a fucking straight line at the same time, let alone write a book. <laughs> One of two, innit? One of two again. I don't want to fall into the old uh, sparsy trap, though, do I? I don't want to get the wrong brother. It's not Paul Gallier, is it? 
gonna say I reckon that that is a little bit more null to dig someone out. He's got like it. That. He's gone yeah. for it now, and he's got it. Yeah. Well done. You can just see him. Why is he writing a fucking book? Yeah, I can see it. I can hear it. I can't even chew fucking chewing gum and walk in a fucking straight line at the same time. End of the day, right? I've met Spice Girls. I've met them. (laughs) Right, Wellsy, here we go. Doesn't matter where I'm living, I've got a pen and a notebook I bought in a market in Manchester. That's all I need. Again, it sounds a lot too... Too much and, for Liam. It's too much for Liam, isn't it? It's got to be Morrissey again, surely. surely. Liam's not saying that, is he? I don't think it's Noel either. What's he going for Morrissey? I'm going Morrissey for it's, that. It's Alex Turner. Silver Turner in Ain Babel goes to Wellesley. Turner's, <laughs> Turner's thrown you there, mate, because he's come yeah. out on the Manchester comment. The Manchester. Well, there's, no, there's no pop culture reference. I didn't think it was Turner. <laughs> yeah, sorry, mate. Oh, I don't know, like a little notepad and pencil is the most him thing ever, isn't it? So much more than the other three, I think. Carrying that in his top pocket. I reckon that all the other three would mock him for that. Um, Sparky, yeah. can you pull level with Wells here? If there were gold medals for taking drugs for England, I would have won a shitload. Liam Gallagher. He's done <laughs> was it no? It was no. <laughs> oh, Liam! Liam wins that. Wins the uh, drug battle every time. Surely, there's no no chance. Uh, there you go. I've fallen um, into the trap. They are brothers, after all. I mean, similar shit's going to come out of their mouth, isn't it? Well, well that, I'm out of the game. Yeah, you're out. You're out, Carlo. I don't it's hate Chris Martin. I don't hate Chris Martin. I don't know him. Know what I mean? I just think he's a bit giddy. He ought to calm down. He isn't going to save the world. <laughs> it depends when it was said, because, I mean, Turner, no, would not say that. I don't think Morrison would say that. And Noel knows him now because they've played together. And for that reason, I'm going to go Liam. It's Liam. He's right. Is oh, it? Get in. Good logic. Good logic. Could have been an old Noel, though. It sounded very Noel, didn't it? It could have been an old Noel. Right. They, had, they what, had that little Barney with Chris Martin. It was the Q Awards, the Enemy Awards, like the mid two thousands. Chris Martin was like, "Yeah, guys, we got a pro- we got a problem here." I was, I was just like, "I don't know. Speak to speak to our kid." No. Where was he? You need this to to stay in it. I mean, oh. even if you get it uh, right, you you still haven't necessarily won. Um, you still won't probably win if he gets it right. So, um, Bob Geldof is a nauseating character. Band Aid was the most self-righteous platform ever in the history of popular music. It's quite eloquent. That's what I'm thinking straight away. But I also thought that for the last one. Um, I'm going to go Morrissey again. I think I said Morrissey for the last three. <laughs> it, it is wrong. Morrissey. It is Morrissey. Yeah. Carlo for the win. If I met Vic Reeves... I'd have no desire other than to smack him in the face. <laughs> it's not Turner. It's probably not Morrissey. It could actually be Morrissey, but I don't think it is. This is quite tough, this. But I think violence violence leads me to Liam again. It's not Liam. Oh. Is it not? And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pass it, it over. I'm going to pass it over to Sir Wellesley. If he can get it, he's going to steal the win. <laughs> What? That's how it works. He's one point behind. I've got no more questions left. So brilliant. 
Well, last goal wins. Last goal wins. I think again, it's got, it's it's got between us. This is between two and it. Between Noel and Moz. Um, I haven't got a clue, so I'm going to stick with a tactic that served me well so far, and just say Morrissey. It's right. He's done hey. it. Last goal wins. <laughs> goal wins. <laughs> well, was it? Matt, that was a that last was a goal that was a great game. Baby win. Baby win. Last goal wins, and I've taken the ball. And we're running off home with it. Ridiculous. <laughs> I'm gonna. I really want to know what Rick, Rick V's, what Rick Reeves did <laughs> to wind up Morrissey. Indeed. If yeah, you know, number of things. A, a touch of. Before we end the pod, uh, if you haven't seen it, go and watch uh, Noel Gallagher's music video commentary, where he takes the best Oasis music videos and just spouts absolute bollocks for about nine minutes, uh, and actively hates every single music video he's ever done clearly there's one where don't look back in anger when the uh, they're waving out the back of the taxi at the end of the video and he just goes something like yeah see you later bye-bye oh fucking waste of fucking waste of an afternoon that was fucking bag of shite bag of shite that one most one of the most successful ever song yeah, bag of shite like that one. it's a it's a great it's a grand watch matt top top game can we have another top game next time i'll do my best mate i'll do my best well, I guess we'll say goodbye then. Yeah. Bye, lads. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> Bye. Cheers, lads. Uh, Cheers, see lads. you later. Bye. See, see you next time. Love you. Bye. That's a very Zoom ending, isn't it? It's a very Zoom call what? ending. The staggered goodbyes getting like, volume yep. lower yep. and lower. Yeah. 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 Thanks, mate. Ciao.